Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Well, it's awards season now, and once again, the Pipes Magazine Radio Show got nominated for nothing, and rightfully so. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Yes, they sometimes are irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. It's Tuesday night, and it is the end of January. So that means February's right around the corner. Yep, I know. I surprised you with that one, huh? All right, uh, in tonight's show in Pipe Parts, I'm going to deviate. I'll uh, push the trip report back and uh, talk about the uh, Dunhill tobacco situation. My guest tonight is Dean Tomsick. Dean's a uh, pipe smoker who's traveled the road with many bands for 20-some-odd years doing uh, lighting and staging and all kinds of fun stuff, so we'll just have fun talking to Dean. Uh, Music, mailbag, and a rave at the end of the show. So all that coming up in tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And do not forget... You must be of legal smoking age, wherever you are, to listen to this show. If you are listening to the show, we would appreciate you going to iTunes and Stitcher and leaving us a rating or a review there. We would really appreciate that. A great way to help the show. Uh, Coming up, I will not be there, but it will be a fun time anyway. Without me is uh, February 18th, the St. Louis Pipe Show. That's uh, just around the corner. And then, of course, International Pipe Smoking Day. I hope you have your plans made for February 20th. That will be a Monday. Uh, Maybe we'll do a a special Monday IPSD show. Haven't talked to Kevin about that yet. (laughs) Kevin, what do you think? Um, Anyway, in the next couple of weeks, we'll have some other news for you. So make sure and stay tuned. Remember, brand new shows, brand new episodes of the Pipes Magazine radio show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, except if International Pipe Smoking Day falls on uh, the Monday before that. Well, well, anyway, we'll see. We'll let you know well in advance. And uh, let's see, how about if we start planning another uh, Facebook Live event? Uh, by the end of the show, I'll hopefully have a date for you. All right, all that coming up in tonight's show. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the McBaron Tobacco Company. And here we go. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achille Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achille's dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. Oh. 
welcome back. In uh, just a few minutes, Dean will be on the phone with me. All right, so let's go over this Dunhill situation that has occurred, and this is affecting uh, pipe smokers all around the world. So the Dunhill name, as we know it, is owned by two very large companies. Uh, British American Tobacco, or BAT, owns the rights to use the Dunhill name on tobacco, and the Richemont Group owns the rights to use the Dunhill name on accessories, luxury goods, clothing, and so on. Uh, the Richemont Group is a very large conglomerate that includes uh, Cartier and Mont Blanc and, uh, a co- and a couple other high-end luxury brands in there. Uh, and they bought the Dunhill name for primarily for the clothing and the accessories. Um, the pipes themselves, if you've noticed over the last couple of years, they've gone away from using the Dunhill name openly, and it's called the White Spot because that is uh, Dunhill Pipes Limited, and they are limited in what they can and can't do. Now, let's look at the, I'll, I'll give you what I think is uh, my expert opinion slash point of view and if anybody thinks you're thinks I'm wrong, please feel free to uh, comment and correct me. But this is where I see it: British American Tobacco is in the process of off, is buying Reynolds American, or offered to buy the remainder of Reynolds American, making them the largest cigarette company in the world. British American Tobacco, when it comes to pipe tobacco and cigars. Only license only licenses the name Dunhill to other companies. They don't actually manufacture pipe tobacco. They don't actually manufacture cigars. The pipe tobacco is made in the Orlick Pipe Tobacco Factory, owned by Scandinavian Tobacco Company, and the cigars were made in the General Cigar Factory in Honduras and in the Dominican, owned also by Scandinavian Tobacco Company. So, here's how it looks from the big picture. You have this multi-bazillion dollar company that is making cigarettes all over the place, different parts of the world, different countries, uh, manufacturing all across the globe, and all they get is a licensing fee off of this little tiny pipe tobacco and cigar division. My thought is, and I can't prove this, but my thought is that somewhere in British American Tobacco's companies, the lawyers said, wait a second, we're not making this stuff. We don't make all the profit margins off of it from the manufacturing to the distribution side. All we get is this little tiny royalty uh, and I'll use a ballpark number that I can't prove, but you know maybe it's $2 million a year in royalties globally for the use of the Dunhill name on pipe tobacco and cigars. That's probably a bigger number than it actually is, but somewhere one of these lawyers probably said, you know, for that little bit of money that we're making off of this, and they probably said it with a British accent so they sounded smarter than me, Uh, But for the little bit of money we're making off of this, 
our name is out there and we don't know exactly where it's going. We don't have complete control over it. Yes, we trust our partners, but at the same time, we're only making a little bit of money off of this. We have a whole separate little OTP or other tobacco products division. We could get rid of that staff and not have to worry about these licensing fees. And we could lower our risk exposure and you know, make sure that we know exactly what's being made and how it's being made and what standards are used and where the tobaccos are coming from and making sure that it's only uh, you know fair market tobacco products or whatever it is and that there's no child labor. Anyway, it's all these big corporate decisions. So what do they do? They decide that they will no longer allow that trademark name to be used anywhere else. Bingo. That's the end of it. 12 to 18 months is the number that I've heard before Dunhill Tobaccos and uh, Dunhill Cigars will be off the market. Uh, is there negotiations going on behind the scenes for the purchasing of the rights to those names? Sure, but this is a big corporation, multi-billion dollar corporation, and... They probably want to protect the imagery of the Dunhill name specifically for the cigarettes, which is the big cash cow, especially in Asia uh, and a little bit still in England and Europe. But they really don't want the opportunity for an issue to arise behind this. Um, in the future, could somebody like a Orlick Tobacco Factory say come out with something that is um you know very similar to what they were making for dunhill sure could they come out with the exact same recipes and call them something else sure will they say that no uh will they come out with something that's pretty close to it i would guess they would but that's just me guesstimating that they would uh can we get it here in the U.S.? <laughs> Who knows what the FDA will do. My uh, my advice to you is, though, and it's my advice to all pipe smokers for as long as I've been talking to pipe smokers, if you can afford to buy tobacco, buy it now, because it'll never be cheaper than it is, and it'll never be more available than it is right now. So buy it, stock it up, save it, hoard it, Keep it away from the zombies. You know, get yourself a baseball bat to protect your hoard of tobacco. I've been doing the same thing, and I've been doing that since about uh, 2002 or three. And I'm not going to tell you how much tobacco I have here because I don't want you guys coming over here. And yes, I do have my baseball bat with nails in it ready for the zombie apocalypse to protect my tobacco. So there you go. There's the story on Dunhill Tobaccos. Uh, questions comments post them on uh, pipesmagazine.com right there on the radio show page or you can email me directly brian at pipesmagazine.com and in just a minute dean Tomsick will be on the phone with me this is internet radio Signore, signore, scusi per favore but what is that intoxicating and delicious aroma coming from your pipe Oh, uh, this is Molto Dolce, my all-time favorite blend from Sutliff Tobacco. Do you like it? I found it on SutliffMoltoDolce.com. Do you mind if I try? 
Oh, signore, this truly is molto dolce. So charming that you even speak my language as it is truly very sweet. <laughs> just like you, I am sure. I can just taste the warm caramel and sweet dripping honey gushing through my mouth. Oh, and even better, the rich vanilla flavor plays so well with the other tastes over my tongue. It is like they are all having a giant playful pillow fight on smooth and silky sheets of tobacco in my mouth. Pure heaven! Mi piace moltissimo, mi amore. Can't you see it, signore? I can see it. I can see it. And signore, best of all, no tongue bite. Grazie un milione for the pipe, signore. Hey! Sightlife Tobacco Company will not be held responsible for any loss of one's favorite pipe customers may experience when smoking our delicious Balto Dolce blend in public. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. And joining us on the phone is, uh, I guess you met Kevin Godby a couple weeks back. And Kevin saw that you were smoking a pipe and started talking to you and said, you know what, we need to get him on the radio show, so... Dean Tomsick, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you. Always nice. All right, so the the thing that caught my attention was you've spent, oh, I don't know, 20-something years traveling on the road doing lighting and all kinds of stuff for concerts. Uh, did that start before pipe smoking? Yes, it did. I... Uh, for a long time, I smoked cigarettes, and for whatever reason, I was in a, actually in a burlier, Catlin burlier in uh, Tennessee, and yeah. he showed me a pipe. I'm like, you know, let's give this a shot, and pick up that, that particular pipe, and I can't remember what uh, the back would gave me, and I started smoking them, and just over the course of the last, I don't know, 23 years, um, I picked up more pipes through the years. All right. So, how does one? I mean, what do you? Do? You're you're going to college or high school, and you decide that you want to get into into doing uh, doing concerts. Is that the way you went? <laughs> no. Um, I was in in high school. Had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, started college as a uh, working as electrical engineer. I'm going to get my degree for the electrical engineer. And uh, a friend of mine said, well, there's a festival going on. You want to give them a hand? Okay. Um, I'd been doing it in high school as well and hadn't really, hadn't really put much stock into it. I did the festival that weekend, and for me that weekend was a full week. And from then on, I was always looking for something like that. Um, didn't do any of the majors at first. Didn't do any major shows. It just basically that festival and little stuff that would come up for the college. And didn't really do much for that. Uh, a couple of years after that, I was actually rebuilding some uh, gentleman's home. And he comes out, well, have a beer. I said, oh, I'm working. I'm not going to do that. He was a promoter. And so we started talking. He said, uh, you don't know anything about audio. I said, well, I used to do that in high school quite a bit. And he goes, well, I need an audio guy. And I said, okay, I'll give it a shot. Uh, when I did, uh, I think I did, a, I think it was 180 days with him. Wow. And 
the end of that, I started looking around to see what else could do, and that's when I did my very first international tour was U2's Pop Month. And from there, it just went. Um, obviously, when I started that tour, I wasn't doing the, the greatest stuff. I was just pushing cases and learning. To me, it was learning. And everything that's going on, learning more and more and more. And like I said, 22, 23 years later, it's been a wild ride. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so well, let's back up. I mean, you're doing an international tour, and what's what's kind of like a daily routine for for you on the tour? Daily routine for me is up at uh, usually seven o'clock, sometimes six thirty. Go get my coffee. Um, it, at that particular time, go get my coffee, smoke about four or five cigarettes just to wake up. Yeah, and go straight into work usually at seven thirty, eight o'clock. Um, Towards the end of the tour, the later part when I was touring, it was get up at 7, have a couple of cups of coffee, for me, two or three pipes, and it worked. <laughs> and you um, so to load in. Yeah, so you'd have to load it in and set up in a new place. And did, yep. did they have to check everything and make sure it was all working and go through all that routine? Oh, yes, that's what is considered the load-in, put everything up, make sure everything works, take everything to height. For the most part, we're usually done about 2 in the afternoon. Um, at that point, the band sometimes will come in and do a rehearsal or check or whatnot. Sometimes they don't. It just depends on the band. depends on what they're feeling that day. Uh, usually for me, I usually have a couple hours in the afternoon. It's do-nothing time, which for me is usually fix any problems that came up. Uh, we carry spares for just about anything you ever do. And a lot of people take naps in the afternoon. And then you do the show, and you start loading out a minute before the end of the show with little stuff that can be done, and stuff around in the truck that need be. And as soon as the show goes down, off and running again. Um, most shows are usually out in about an hour, hour and a half. Wow. Um, shower at the venue. Up on the bus, sleep, well, drink massively, then sleep, <laughs> <laughs> and wake up in the next town the next morning. I, I didn't hear much about food in there. Um, there's breakfast in the morning, whatever they happen to give us, which is usually not a whole lot. Lunch was usually fairly good. Um, dinners was usually really good. Some of it depends on the tour. Some of it depends on how much money they're willing to spend. Um, I did some of the best ones. That, the best ones, uh, I toured with uh, Paul McCartney for about a year. We carried our own catering company. Uh, unfortunately, with him, because he's a vegetarian, everything was vegetarian. Which meant on days off, it was going into a restaurant, getting the plate, looking at the waiter, and saying, how much meat can you put on this plate? <laughs> Yeah, you know, it was beautiful. Um, and like I said, uh, there was a couple of tours where I was overseas where we carried our own, so we're not having to rely on the local because that can be a little bit on the interesting side, <laughs> particularly Americans in Europe or in South America. Um, we had, uh, I think, 90% of our crew got dysentery when we were down in Mexico City um, because they decided to use local ice 
which had not been pasteurized, homogenized, and depasteurized, and whatever else they want to do to our water in the United States. And so we had the issues down there. Not a good day for the next week. <laughs> and you guys were all on a bus with one little porta potty. Oh yeah. Now it depends. Most 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 school buses there you can put twelve people on. Most of the time it was eleven people, so we'd have an extra bunk where we just put all our extra stuff into. One bathroom. Um no shower. You showered at the venue or at your hotels. And like I said, you just you learned you had fun. Um you can smoke. There's two lounges on the bus. There's one in the front, one in the back. You never smoked in the front lounge at all. You smoked in the back lounge. Back lounge would be, again, to me, all bets are off. What do you want to smoke? Everybody did. Yeah. Um, I generally was, I generally didn't go much into the back lounge that much. But when I did, I, I, for me, the last eight years, I was always smoking pipe. And a lot of guys loved it when I smoked the pipe. They've got some other um, good herbs to smoke, <laughs> and they just, they just love listening, love smelling it as a as a uh, uh, working with the pipe. I think like oh, that's a, that's a pretty decent one. And uh, usually on tour, I carry three or four different types of tobaccos. Um, now, now I usually just do uh, the one type most of the day. Um, and then I've got a uh, what I call my more exotic blend that I'll, sometimes I'll do in the evening. But I didn't. Right now, I just I don't. I'm not itching to mix a different type of pipe tobacco. Um, I did for a long time um, in the various different companies. I mix this one into here, into here. Yeah. And like I said, it. And there's a few of the tours where there was no smoking on the bus except on the very front seat right next to the driver because you got a window right there. And that's real. A lot of times I'd smoke there because then I could watch the road. And it's, it's a very cool thing. Just going down the highway, watching them, the white lines come flying by and going, wow. Four hours, i got to get back up and do another show again. <laughs> <laughs> When you were on the road, did you get a chance to stop in or get away to the local smoke shops or see any sights? Um, a lot of that depends on the band. There was a lot of bands that would do five shows a week, uh, so I'd get two days off. And sometimes they were always on a specific day. Generally speaking, not so much. Um, obviously, on the days off, to me, my routine was wake up at, because I know I didn't have to go to a show, I'd wake up about 9, uh, take all my stuff into the hotel room, uh, take a shower, even though I'd showered the night before, take a shower, freshen up a bit, step to the front door of the hotel, and start walking. Um, <laughs> there's been a, there's a lot of places, and I, obviously with the smartphone later on, I could do little tobacco shops, pipe shops. And I, I and wander around and okay this is what I want to do um, there's, I've been to some really really cool ones little itty bitty mom and pop ones um, some of the better ones there's, when I'm in Chicago I cannot remember the name of the shop and I always go up there um, there's one in Portland I, somebody, they, they might have a few things up there 
and I'd uh, I'd ask actually the hotel concierge where's this tobacco shop, and he gives me that. I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll see if I can go by through there. And that was probably outside of the one in Chicago, probably the second or third largest pipe shop that I had seen in the United States. And this was probably 95% pipes, um, maybe 5%, 6% of cigars, which generally speaking, that's usually where I find a lot of them in the United States. Um, there's yep. a little itty-bitty one in Columbus, Ohio. Great shop. You just learn, it, it was just learning through the years, and obviously with the various tours, you've got all kinds of people on the tour. Hey, we're going to Asheville. You know anybody do that in this area? Yeah, there's a little place down there type deal. <laughs> uh, like I said, it's really cool to do. Um, spending 21, 22 years on the road, wow. <laughs> <laughs> there's a few places I know I'm going to go back to. And a couple of them, yeah, let's not. <laughs> All right, I want to know what places don't you want to go back to? Um, there's a little place somewhere in Iowa. <laughs> I had a day up in Iowa. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to do in Iowa. And I'm not sure if the place is still there. This was probably 15, 20 years ago that I went into this place. And it was, I think they had four pipes. And I'm pretty sure that might have just been the guy's behind the counter his pipes. And I think three three different types of tobacco, um, one of them being, and I'm not trying to displace them, I just don't care for them and pork and rum, and I just don't care for that pipe or that uh, blended tobacco. And I'm like, oh, okay. That one I'm, you know, not going to go back into. Um, other than that, and then there was one in, I think it was in a Hanover, Germany. And that one... They said, oh, you can get all kinds of pipes up there. I walked in, and it's 95% cigars and five or six packaged uh, pipe tobaccos, and that was it. And one of those packages is one of the worst tobaccos I've ever tasted in my entire life. Uh-oh. I figured, oh, I'll give it a shot. And to be honest with you, I still have half of that package sitting in my storage somewhere. <laughs> All right, we want it. What was it? I uh, to be honest with you, I could. It was it was actually made in the United States. Oh God! And I'm like, wow, I have no idea what it was. <laughs> so you go all the way to Germany like said, and, and find a bad U.S. tobacco. Yeah. Hey, well, you know, we do get around sometimes, <laughs> U.S. people. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, yeah, when I go overseas, you ask them, oh, you want Marlboro? No, I don't. But see, um, I did go into one in Puerto Rico. Good, decent-sized shop. Doing really good. Some of the pipes in there were incredible. And uh, tobacco, I think it was uh, L&M, was one of their primary ones that they had. They had a, I think they had a couple of McFerrins, but like I said, just, me, that particular one was just the pipes. And sometimes that to me is just going and looking at some of them. And they had, the guy said he had four or five people that they actually carved them. And there were some of them, you could tell, they took a, put a lot of work into them. Um, there were some really, really cool uh, pipes. And most of them were that I could see was all cherry or um, uh, 
type of, uh, I don't want to say cedar, because it's not, I don't remember the type, but most of them were cherry wood. Um, but again, they, there was some really good stuff. Really good. That's a perfect spot for us to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about the road and uh, the pipes and we'll have more fun. So uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Meet Josh. Everyone at smokingpipes.com holds customers as a high priority, but nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. As a previous professor of history, Educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line, and I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why? Because I don't just sell pipes. I smoke them. Call us at 1-888-366-0345. That's 1-888-366-0345. Or check us out online at smokingpipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, uh, hearing stories of the road from Dean. Uh, Dean, did your did your taste in pipes change or evolve over your pipe smoking career? Actually, yeah. Uh, the first one I got was a small little rustic thing, and now I've got uh, some ones through the years. Um, I think I've got about nine or ten. Like I said, now I get to me a little bit deeper one because even at work I, I want to smoke a little bit more because the first one is designed for not a whole lot in terms of pi- uh, tobacco into it. Um, I do know, like I said, now I've gone into, I've got, uh, I think I've got a Peterson uh, pipe on me. Um, like I said, some of them, I, the one I picked up in Switzerland, most expensive I've ever seen for a pipe, um, and then he said, oh, it's because of the, the taxes there, and this, that, and the other, I'm like, well, this is actually a very good pipe, um, I'm trying to look at the bottom of it to see the name of it, because I'm actually smoking that this evening. <laughs> <laughs> don't, um, don't dump the ash. Yeah, no, 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 no. It, it's, it's a shame to do and everybody gets upset and you know, myself and I have to go clean it for half an hour. Um, but like I said, yes, they have. And then I've got one that, for me, uh, I live in Florida, so I sit out on the porch time. And I can probably put, I'm guessing, if I wanted to do anything, probably almost an ounce into it. Oh, it's God. a huge pipe. <laughs> yeah. And that, to me, is sitting on the porch and reading and what I'm going from there. <laughs> so, the, so, but yes, they do change. Um, even on the road, it was a, it, I did a lot of little ones because I didn't have a whole lot of time, but put a little in, so bad. But now that I've come off the road and doing uh, working for the company that I'm working for, now I've got time to, to stop and uh, 
that 15 to 20 minutes versus the three minutes as you're running in between cases on the road. <laughs> yeah, and you're not living out of a bunk on a bus either. No, I'm not. And that's a very good thing. <laughs> Uh, has your has your taste in tobaccos changed? Is there a style that you prefer? Yes, that it has very much so. Um, I started basically doing uh, Lane Limited. I think it's with one M. I might have the name wrong on that one. That to me was my stock, and I smoked that one for eight or nine years. Okay, maybe six or seven. Um, and then. At that time, it's also when I started blending, uh, trying to blend some of them in there with some of theirs and some of the other ones into that. Um, and then I started getting into the, to me, I like the uh, aromatic, really aromatic ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've tried the Dunhill. Uh, my personal that I smoke daily now is McFerrin's Scottish blend. Um, if I were to go back, in fact, I have. In my genealogy, I'm Scottish. I'm a fourth-generation Scottish Highlander. And so people say, oh, that's bad. But I love the, the, the richness of that guy that gets me when I smoke them. And like I said, I've, to me it's moved up from the, the basic blend. We smoked a few of those. And now, like I said, to me, my primary, what I smoke, again, is the, is the uh, McBaron. It's just your, it's your happy spot. Yes, it is. There have been a couple other ones that are incredible. Uh, one of the Dunhill morning mixture, or morning, uh, morning tobacco. Yeah. Again, I, for me, most of the time, it's the same tobacco all day. This particular one, I love it in the morning. It's not as heavy. Um, I do the McCarran's Gold, and it means it's really heavy. I don't want to really smoke that in the morning. So, but yes, I can even it's changed through the years. On an average day, how many uh, how many times are you uh, able to smoke your pipe? Uh, I need to go through a bowl in the morning, a bowl right around noon, and then off and on. It, sometimes it depends on the day, how much work I've got to do that particular day. Uh, three to four, and then usually one, one and a half in the evenings. Unless on a weekend, it's a totally different story. Uh, it's whenever. Um, <laughs> All day there long. There are times to me if I'm around. Huh? All day long. Oh, yeah. Well, sometimes. Uh, again, I don't, I personally won't smoke around children. Um, never smoked around my son. And it's just not something I want to do. So there are times when I have my kids or when my girlfriend has her kids, I don't smoke. Um, or it's been six hours and we go both look at each other. I think we need to go do something with the trash. And so we'll take, we'll go downstairs, take care of something, want to smoke out there. <laughs> <laughs> and when you were, when you were smoking cigarettes, I mean, how many packs a day were you? Uh, my worst was four. Oh God. Um, I stopped. I uh, I stopped and went down to one, and that's most I will ever do. Uh, the exception being, obviously, there's exceptions to everything. <laughs> is in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, well, Vegas, I'll bet it off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and what happens in Vegas? You you pay for in pain when you get back home. 
Um, is there is there like a, a strange tour that you've ever worked on? What do you mean by strange? I mean like just a, a completely offbeat group or performance. Sounds unusual. It'd probably be uh, Mayhem, which is metal band, decent. Um, to get that many, obviously Mayhem is about 30 different artists in bands over two stages for a one-day show. Oh, wow. Um, and to getting that many people of the various crews, although some of the bands never even had a crew, they just had the band members putting their own stuff up and have stage hands or anything like that. And to see that, it was outside of what I had been used to seeing. I'm, to me, I'm a metalhead. I love it. But to get that many people that are all working for these bands, um, at that point, that particular tour, I was working with Anthrax. <laughs> Little stuff as it comes through. And you're going, wow, this is kind of interesting. And then the last mayhem that I did uh, was with um, Motorhead. And that one, to me, was incredible. But seeing, because we were not the primary, uh, we were the... Uh, closing night uh, set, so you, you get a lot of other little pieces, or, or you ask for that band, hey, I don't really want to do this after the show, because all my stuff, I've got to wait till the end of the night, you do that for me, and you kind of, well, okay, what are you going to do, I'll give you a bottle at the end of the week, okay, and you do stuff like that, but in terms of an unusual or bizarre like that, no, not really, um, there's some of them I would never do again. Um, and I did that with uh, Drake, and I said I'd never do that to her again. Probably one of the worst ones I did, just the amount of work that we had to do. Um, and five months later, he gave me a call, and we want you to come back out again. Uh, okay, sure, why not? And I went back out and did that one again. Um, like I said, other than that, to me, it is a job. I'm still doing my job when I'm doing it. Versus, oh, I'm going to go to the band. I'm going to go do this. I'm gonna... No, it's a job, guys. And I've always looked at it that way. Uh, there's some of them, yeah, I'm going to sit on stage every night and listen to them. And there's some of them, yeah, if you need me on the bus, get me on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because you're you weren't you didn't work just one genre specific. You did everything from uh, classical to punk rock. Yes, I have I've done everybody from Alter Boys, which is a Christian band back in the '80s, to Metallica, to Paparazzi, to Garth, to uh, Paul McCartney, to ACDC, Muse, Ozzy. Um, every country artist under the sun. Uh, and like I said, to me, it is still work. I'm still doing that. Like I said, there's a lot of them I wanted to go out and I did listen to. Obviously, with ACDC, I listened to it every night. <laughs> okay, every other night, because they never did every night. But <laughs> yeah. so, so you had to have heard some, uh, some pretty good performances. Uh, did you have different job responsibilities during the performance, or did it just depend on that what you what you were doing on that show? 
it depended. Uh, for the most part, I was a uh, lighting engineer, so 95% of what I did was all had to do with the lighting. Um, for me, I was what they call a dimmer, dimmer guide. Um, all the fixtures, I'll need to cut a power system. That's where I sat. I Most of the time, I'd need to sit by the dimmer racks, and there's a few times I didn't need to. Um, I, in fact, I do have, and I've still got one of them. I'm recorded away carving it. Uh, surprisingly, I'm a Drake tour. Um, I had a couple pieces of uh, cherry with me, and I started carving a pipe. Um, <laughs> I still have it, and one of these days, I'll drill the thing out, and I'll smoke the thing. And remember, this is from a tour I didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> So you did. So you had some free time occasionally during the show too. Oh yes. Uh, generally speaking, I almost always did. To me, last song, tell the spot off guys, bring the stuff down, bring the stuff down. Like I said, I'd start doing my left out. Use the last two or three lines of the song. Uh, get everything done. Back into the trucks. Take a shower. Head on out to the bus. Um, and they, there's a lot of times uh, we the bus driver's call was usually two hours after show. So we'd get done, and there was one of them. We were, everybody was done at 45 minutes after, so we were always waiting for the bus drivers. <laughs> and that was one of the ones where I think we had, of the 10 people on that particular t- uh, tour on that bus, uh, nine of them smoked uh, cigars. So I pulled the pipe out one day. One of the guys looks at me and he goes, Oh, I see. Trying to one up us. No, I, I've been smoking cigars with him as well. I'm like, you know, I think tonight is going to be a pipe night. And one of them goes, I didn't even smoke that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you turn on any uh, any guys in the crew or the bands that you worked with to pipe smoking? No. Um, and to be honest with you, I can remember two people of touring people that have ever smoked pipes, and both of them were overseas guys. Yeah. Um, in fact, one of them was in Brazil. I pulled that out, and he looks at me and goes, that's a little bit big. I mean, I had, it was one of my smaller pipes. And he pulls out a little stubby. <laughs> and he goes, this is what you need. I looked at that, I said, I might need to go find me one of those. And I never did, but like I said, and then there was a gentleman in, um, I think it was Paris, and he had a, I pulled my, I walked in the morning smoking a pipe, he looks at me, and he pulls his out, he goes, get the uh, good people all smoke the good stuff. I said, yep, but not that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong, 90% of the crew guys do smoke pipes, except they've got some uh, exotic herbs in it. Yeah. Not herbs that I'm willing to do. <laughs> we, uh, we, we call that Colorado import. Uh, yes, it is. Dean, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answers, whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Sure, why not? What is your favorite pipe? Favorite pipe would be actually the very first one I got from Gatlin Brothers. And I think we talked about it, but what is your favorite tobacco? As of right now, it would be McDermott. And what is your favorite drink? Whiskey and Coke. And when it's time to relax, which you finally have some now, 
Uh, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Uh, book and music. And sitting out on the porch and... Got it. If I'm re- if I'm, yeah, if I'm reading, I've got to have music. And the last thing is, do you have a particularly favorite pipe-smoking-related memory that we haven't talked about? Uh, the one that I love, and somebody actually got a picture of it, uh, it was at a uh, end-of-tour party, and I'm sitting there just enjoying the pipe. And in fact, it was the uh, the pipe that I bought in Switzerland, and somebody just got a picture of me just smoking a pipe. And to be honest with you, when they actually put it out into the, one of the tour books that we had, uh, they made it black and white. And I still think the picture and smoking at that particular party was incredible. <laughs> Watching these are the people that I've been on tour for the last 18 months, 19 months, and just sitting there and just watching the various people in the band and everybody around. And that, to me, is probably one of the best ones I've ever seen with that. Uh, that sounds like fun. Well, Dean, you have absolutely nothing to sell, so I won't mention a website or anything, but I'll just say uh, thank you very much for joining us. This has been great. Very much so. I enjoyed it. And we'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell & Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco, expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole-leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special Red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes Autumn Evening so well-loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. This is Internet Radio. We are back, and, uh, you know, I I've, I say this a lot, but there's a lot of uh, unique characters in the pipe-smoking hobby, and uh, maybe it's just the, you know, just the differences in the pipe and the, uh, the different tastes and styles that draw all of us characters to it, but uh, Dean's... Uh, Dean's got quite a history. I mean, just imagine all those shows and all those places he's been, and now he's happily off the road and uh, enjoying his pipe a couple times a day and working a regular job and having weekends off. So uh, glad to have him back off the road and glad Kevin ran into him. So, uh, Going back a couple of years ago, we had a young lady named Gina Rude on the show. She was also photographed as one of the pipe babes. And uh, Kevin put this up on Facebook that she has a brand new song that she just did called Half a Hallelujah. And I believe this is the first time I've heard her sing. So this is uh, her playing the guitar and Gina singing. Must have been a soldier in another life. I was put in this one just to keep the fight. The day that I was born, I fought for my first breath. 
And every day since then, been fighting for the rest, fighting for the rest. good looking and smokes a pipe I'm beginning to really not like her uh, anyway that's uh, Gina Rude half a hallelujah if you get a chance go by her Facebook page and give her a like and a follow and all that stuff and uh, help support her you've got mail and remember if you've got a question or a comment for the show the best way to get my attention is to post it on pipesmagazine.com under the radio show in that exact episode or email me directly, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, going back to last week's show with Eric Stokeby, Casey Ghost writes, Nice show. Personally, I prefer the straight stem with a modest button. I smoke uh, mainly in a recliner, so clenching is not a problem. The interview with Eric was quite enjoyable. It is a funny story about how the family got its name. Uh, the fourth generation tobaccos are quite good. 
Uh, Dan, my family's name got changed when we hit Ellis Island. Uh, anyway, uh, Dan goes on to say, the music wasn't bad, but no comparison to the original. Sorry. Uh, it's funny that when travel is delayed by mechanical difficulties, everyone takes it in stride. It's almost like they're saying, take your time and get it right. On the other hand, they will be damn near lose their minds when weather causes a delay. Um, yeah, you know what? When I fly, if they don't want to, if if the captain doesn't want to put the plane up in the air, I am fine with that. If it's a weather delay, fine with that. If it's mechanical, fine with that. Um, if it's an airline lying to me and sending my bag on a plane that I could have gone on, that's what I'm not so fine with. Uh, Safari Pete writes, Brian, can you please send me a copy of Rick Newcomb's letter so that I can flood the swamp? You got it. Emailed to you, uh, yesterday. Uh, be well, great podcast. Your E. Stokeby interview was great. Keep up the great work. It makes my week. Be well, your friend Peter. <laughs> Once a frog. <laughs> Peter, thank you very much. We'll keep them coming for you. Um... Al Jones writes, Brian, those round buttons are commonly referred to as orific. I'm not sure who coined that term, and they are often found on older British pipes. Their presence is an added detail in helping to date a pipe, in combination with stamping and lacking a hallmark date. Uh, like you, I'm not a fan of smoking this style button. That helps uh, me from spending a lot of money on certain older pipes. Yep, me too. Uh, it could have been a British, a British term as horrific. could have been an American word called horrific because they were terrible. Uh, if you ever tried to smoke one of those older pipes with that rounded button in it, it's like trying to, trying to put a bowling pin between your lips and holding onto it without your teeth. Uh, just absolutely miserable. And uh, last, uh, the Punk Rock Piper writes uh, regarding Rick Newcomb. I was really stoked to hear another interview with him. I actually purchased the audiobook of Pipe Dreams and really found it interesting, especially when he gets into the details of how he likes his pipe dimensions. But then when I listened to him on the latest show, I was like, yeah, right on. I have a feeling if we met in person, we would get along great. Anyhow, great show. Really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. And uh, lastly, I want to. I found an old. Uh, I found an old comment on here from Dan Sanford going back oh to September, and uh, Dan writes, as a former Armenian pastor, I've been reluctant to put it out there that I'm a pipe smoker. For 20 years, I was under a covenant that prohibited tobacco products. I respect that. Oops, just lost it there. There we go. Um, I respect that and lived under it faithfully, always looking forward to the day when I could take up the pipe. That day came sooner than I expected. Aren't we all damaged goods? Yet amidst the rapid changes came the pipe. It is not my idol, I hope, but it is a passion of mine. Now, one year after I'm slowly revealing my new hobby to my former, former world and becoming less of a closet Calvinist, Will they care and understand? I have faith in the church that they know how to keep the main thing the main thing. I've lived in fear of causing my brother to stumble if they knew I smoked. Yet this has not happened. In fact, current and former friends have revealed to me their love for the pipe. My wife encouraged me yesterday with a selfie I had posted elsewhere. 
The tattoo across the icon's chest reveals my current position on being a Christian that smokes a pipe. Thanks and good morning. I uh, just thought that was interesting. You know, we've had a lot of people of faith on the uh, on the show with us. All different faiths, all smoking a pipe. I really don't see any harm in it myself. All right, again, any questions, comments, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com or post them right there on the radio show page. We do like getting them. All right, in just a minute, rave time. If you have the most amazing pipes and tobaccos collection in the world, but no car insurance, you might be a pipe collector. If you include your tobacco purchases in your weekly grocery budget, you might be a pipe collector. If you bore your friends with arcane information on draft hole size and stem construction, you might be a pipe collector. If your browser's list of favorite websites is only made up of pipe links, you might be a pipe collector. Cowboy. Cowboy. I'm going to get political for a minute, but please bear with me because it is personal. Uh, Last week, we lost Mary Tyler Moore at the age of 80. Mary Tyler Moore, we even picked on her in a joke a couple weeks ago. She was a visionary leader amongst women and then a philanthropist. She was the first woman to be seen on TV wearing a pair of pants. Prior to that, women only wore skirts. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore went on to continue after her own show to produce multiple other shows, movies, her own studio. She was not only a philanthropist, but she was also, for the last eight to ten years, the international ambassador for the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, a cause near and dear to my heart and this show's heart, and a disease that she suffered with since age 33 she worked tirelessly in support of anything to help out diabetics she went to washington dc on a regular basis to uh to lobby for efforts she took her own health and put it aside to go out and do all these events and travel and get the word out about jdrf and we lost her due to complications from years of diabetes. How am I going to get political? As I sit here and watch the uh, current state of our uh, union, one huge benefit for my daughter was uh, the Affordable Care Act said absolutely no consideration for, uh, for, uh, for, con- uh, for pre-existing conditions. None whatsoever. Will that still be around? I sure hope so. I hope that uh, we don't penalize people that already have to deal with enough of these situations in their lives. Uh, Do not forget the JDRF auctions are coming up the end of March. If you have something that you'd like to donate, contact me directly, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Email me, tweet me, post something on Facebook. You know how to get a hold of me. Uh, We'll do it. 
And finally, uh, let's do a Facebook Live thing again. Let's do it on uh, Saturday, February 11th. Let me just check that date. Saturday, February 11th. I am thinking that, uh, you know what? 1 p.m. on Saturday, February 11th would be a perfect date to do that. Yep, Saturday, February 11th, 1 p.m., facebook.com, send me a friend request. Uh, Maybe I'll talk to you about a couple of specific pipes that I own and why I like them. And then take questions. Anyway, hope to see you all there. I want to thank you all for tuning in tonight. Thank Dean for joining me. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to you. Everything that guy just says bullshit. Thank you.